I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Hey, Grateful Ones. Before we start, find yourself in a comfortable space and take three deep breaths. I know it's been tough for all of us, so let's take this time to feel whatever you're feeling as you take a deep breath in. Take in love, kindness, joy, and gratitude. And as you exhale, let go of any pain, anger, regret, or discomfort you're feeling right now. Welcome to After 30 with Gata Erigel, a 30-something reminding you to take deep breaths and live with gratitude as we talk love, life, fear, relationships, career, sex, food, money, good books, and how life is so much different and oddly the same after 30. I post new episodes every Thursday. Follow at After 30 with Gata Erigel on Instagram and Facebook to stay updated. everybody, welcome to another episode of After 30 with Gara Erigel. I hope you're all safe and well, and it's going to be another amazing conversation today. We're talking about something very, very important, something that's not very much talked about, but something that really, really has to be. Now, I want to start with the saying that self-care and self-love are widely talked about nowadays. We're familiar with the term, yes. We see it everywhere on social media. We read books. We read self-help books. We go to the weekly massages. We slather on skincare and go through therapy, which is all amazing. We meditate. We journal. We're mostly very self-aware. And like I said, that's amazing. We're finally taking control of our own thoughts, emotions, feelings, and our health. Way too many responsibilities come with adulting, especially in our 30s. Self-care is important as life inevitably gets in the way of our living while we face our daily checklists, errands, and our work. But this is not all it takes to ensure we are able to live our lives to the fullest. We need to talk about something else that's very important, like I said, something that statistically happens very, very frequently to women between ages 15 to 44, especially here in the Philippines. I'm talking about cancer, cervical cancer to be specific, which ranks the second most frequent cancer among women in the country. Studies say cervical cancer is one of the most preventable cancers today, yet still plagues women worldwide. We need to change the way we think about women's health by empowering women to take the lead. Talking about her journey and her advocacy, on today's episode, we have former football national player and currently the women's administrator at the Philippine Football Federation, cervical cancer survivor. Everybody, please welcome for the first time on the show, Belay Fernando de la Cruz. Hi, Belay. Hi, Cairo. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for making time and thank you for being here. I'm happy to have you on the show. I'm going to start off by saying I'm probably one of the people that feels, for lack of a better term, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but uneasy talking about cancer because it's also something that I've experienced in our family. But, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not something we very openly talk about until today. And honestly, even me, I feel like I don't know how to go about this conversation. Let me just throw it out there. But I want to, so I want to get to know you first, because like I said, it's a very important conversation. I'm so looking forward to getting to know you better. So as a cervical cancer survivor, now currently thriving in your thirties, I'm pretty sure you've been through a significant amount of ups and downs, not only physically, but also mentally and spiritually. Now, before we get to know more about your journey through cancer, I would like to get to know a little more about Belay Fernando in her 20s. What is it that you love to do and what did you love about it? How was life different for you then? And something like what was a regular day like for you? 
I mean, definitely in my 20s, I was so active. I loved sports so much. I grew up with three brothers and I really love being outdoors. And obviously, I love playing football. It was usually a day in the life of the 20, like I was playing for the national team. So we would be training all the time. We would wake up very early to train. But also in your 20s, you think you're invincible, right? So you wake up early in the morning, you train, and then you go to work. And then after that, you hang out with your friends, you stay out late, and then do it all over again. Like you feel invincible, like you don't need sleep. So you wake up early again after a late night out with your friends. So that was definitely me in my 30s. Like really, I would say abusing my body because like sleep was totally unnecessary for me. <laughs> I super feel you. I'm just a little uh, no, sharing, no? I had an ex-boyfriend in college who played for our school. And that was like, I honestly thought like football players, wow, like they're invincible. Like they train, like you said, about four in the morning, the training at six, pasok sa klase, iinom pa kami yeah. sa gabi. And exactly. then the same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, grab their bodies. I can't, wow. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that with us. So that was something you did since, you started playing football since you were very, very young. Wow. I started when I was around 12. Wow. So I was in elementary school. And it was just, I actually loved playing tennis when I was younger. But then in my school, everyone was playing football. And it was the thing. So I just wanted to be with be with my friends, my cousin. And uh, yeah, we, we, loved, we just loved playing. It was also a way to socialize and hang out with your friends. Yeah. Right. And you were clearly very, very athletic, no? Yeah, and like, I mean, it's really been a huge part of my life. I also love watching sports. I love watching like a lot of sports that are boring to people. I like watching baseball. I like watching American football. Yeah, basketball. Like I just, I just love being in that atmosphere and watching that atmosphere, like the excitement, the thrill. That's what gets me going. Oh wow. That's amazing because I wasn't brought up athletically. <laughs> I wasn't very athletic growing up. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because yeah, it's interesting because like I have three older brothers, like I said, but I'm the only one who really pursued a career in sports. Who like really went oh, yeah. all in for sports. Yeah, oh, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, eto na hindi na magpapaligoy-ligoy pa. I want to jump right into it. You know, after hearing all of that, like I have so many questions because. You, at 12 years old, you were so used to being physically active. And that was an environment that you really immersed yourself in and something you really loved. You know, how has, I want to talk about how cancer and the experience of it has changed you. Please share with us your journey, you know, jumping off of, of what you've really been used to. And then, you know, how has cancer changed you? And the first few symptoms, what were they? The diagnosis, your treatments, challenges that came with it. It came at a time, so I'll start with that, like um, the diagnosis. And it came at a time when I was so busy. I was traveling a lot for work. I was working for a professional men's team that was based in Bacolod. And there would be like international competitions as well. So I was really in and out of Manila. And I just remember a lot, like pain. Like, you know, I would feel pain. Stomaching. I would think that it's acid maybe, you know, just normal things, which I would brush aside. And then there were symptoms of the discharge was getting really sensitive topics. No, no. Um, the discharge mm-hmm. was getting really bad. And I was encouraged by my partner, my husband now, to get checked. And I actually got misdiagnosed. For three weeks, I would keep going to the same and they would give me a medicine to clear like an infection. Mm-hmm. And then and my third visit, that was when she felt a mass already and suggested that I get a biopsy. So it was it was a shock. Like it was uh really something scary to share to my family. So there I got a check with my brothers, my cousins, my my partner, my husband was there. And when the results came, it was like the first onco told me that it was just stage one B. And after my PET scan, I was so just to share also my mom, we dealt with, my mom had stage four liver and colon cancer that she survived for 10 years. 
Oh, wow. So we, we were very familiar with this whole process and how it was going to be. I wouldn't say we were prepared. It's hard to be prepared. But yeah, we were familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So her oncologist suggested an OB onco. So after my pet scan, we brought it to him. And it turns out that my staging was wrong. It was stage 3B, not 1B. So it went from something that mentally I thought I could manage but it mm-hmm. ended up being something like way more difficult. I could not process it in that moment. And there's part of me thinking like, you know, I should have gotten checked before when there were all these pains. But, you know, we're here now. And I had my family and my friends supporting me every day for all the treatments. And it was uh, radiation and combined with chemo. And this is the common treatment, I believe, for this. And... Actually, it progressed even more because I needed to get more treatment after my PET scan. And after one of my internal radiations, there was a cyst that got infected. So it became this, it ballooned and kind of blocked my ability to pass stool. <laughs> and I noticed it after five days that I couldn't even with all the laxatives and stuff. So I ended up being hospitalized also for a month. And I couldn't walk. Yeah, I couldn't walk because the procedure had to be done with me awake in a CT scan. And there's a big needle and they were draining this abscess. So it was only topical anesthesia, by the way. So this is the reason I I was unable to walk for a month and I was hospitalized for a full month. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they were worried that it was another tumor. So here we were in the hospital. My family was preparing for the worst. It turned out to be an abscess and it was drained. So after that, really, the process of recovering was so difficult. Like my bone marrow healing, like the white blood cell count, the red blood cell count, the hemoglobin was very low. So as a former athlete, it really hit me hard. There would be times my family is very close with my cousins. There would be times when right out, outside their house, uh, they, they would play like American football or any sport, like in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then... I realized when I first realized like I couldn't play, I went to the bathroom and I just started crying. I could hear them through the window, you know, enjoying having fun. And at that point, it really hit me hard that my life's different because from all those treatments, I got neuropathy, like full neuropathy on my feet. So I, I take medication for it all the time. So now I do play sports or I do work out but I can't play football anymore because I can't really kick a ball properly because there's so much pain Mm -hmm. so that's one major thing and I took sleep more seriously because my oncologist said that sleep is the way to help you recover Mm -hmm. and I'm trying I'm not succeeding but trying not to be so stressed (laughs) but the thing is also the thought of going back into work for sports was the one that motivated me. It was so hard to find motivation for a while because I stopped working and I was just always at home and feeling sad. But yeah, that motivated me to get back on my feet and, um, you know, try to make a difference from another perspective outside of the field. Firstly, I want to say thank you so much for sharing, you know, your journey with us. That was very difficult to listen to knowing now the background. I mean, your background and your love for sports. And, you know, I'm sure it was pretty hard for you, especially in the beginning to be able to share that. But so I really appreciate you being able to share that here on this platform. So thank you. Secondly, I just want to say I really admire you for the way that you coursed through the entire journey and now going back to what you really love, being able to give back still Considering everything that you've been through, I was just thinking, you know how when you listen to these stories, you kind of really, you can't avoid putting yourself in the situation, right? You know, when you talk to friends, when you listen to stories and you're like, oh my God, if that were me, walana, walana girl, give up now. Like I wouldn't, yo, but you're straight, you went straight back there and, you know, with the goal of, of wanting to even give back. And I, I watched a, a short interview of yours that was out on YouTube and you know, you were also asked about your your journey and the cancer. And I remember you opening your answer with, I'm grateful. I'm actually thankful for the experience. And I was like, wow, what a what a very powerful thing to say. You were still wearing a kind of like a scarf or a turban then during the interview, but you said that that was how you opened your answer. And I think it was also 
a huge part of it was because you had a great support system. You mentioned that as well. And, and you mentioned that in your story, you know, you had your friends, your, your partner then and your husband now, your family who also went through the same thing with your mom. Who and what were your, what were your biggest support systems and how did cancer affect your relationships with your family, your friends, your workmates, your teammates? I think the biggest support system was, of course, like my family and my my husband because he was taking care of me day to day. You would never think like, sorry, you can you can remove this if it's TMI. But there was a point that I was so weak that when I would go to the bathroom, like I feel like I would pass out. So mm-hmm. my husband would be there to wipe my butt. <laughs> And like who would think that you yeah, who would think that he would get to that point. So Mm. for that and he tried to put me on every healthy juice, clean the chicken and this thing, like anything, sound healing, meditation, anything that he thought would help me. But you know, I was firm in saying that I will choose like the certain things because I only have the capacity to do and focus on certain things. And I wasn't able to eat much, so it was hard also to keep that diet, maintain that. So, of course, my husband and then my dad, my mom. My dad was there every single day, whatever it was, appointment, treatment. Even if he drove so far an hour each way for a 15-minute treatment of radiation like every day, including my brother's. And sometimes my brother, even if like they're coding, they would take the bus to go to, mm. to St. Luke's. Yeah, like just them and my other uh, wives. And then my cousins, my cousin would also be there every day. My f- friends, two friends would be there every day and it, every week. Yeah, they would all be there. And that would just encourage me. Actually, it's super cute. So my brother made a calendar and to make sure that one of, my brothers or my cousins would be there for each time. So mm. I just started noticing that it was something regular, like, okay, Play around. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without me telling anyone. So it was like mm-hmm. a schedule that I noticed on one of their phones. Like they'd never showed it to me. They never told me about it, but I saw the schedule in one of their phones. So that like I'm really grateful that they were there. That's why I always say whenever I post something that I do this so that their effort does not go wasted like everything that they put in the time of course the money like it was it's not very cheap to get sick mm-hmm. here in the Philippines so all that they put in to help me get to this place I have to do this for them and they never ask for it but I want to do this for them hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You had such a powerful support system. You were very, very lucky to have had your entire family and your friends support you the way that they did. Grabe. Listening to it now. <laughs> I also interviewed someone who, who was a cancer survivor, breast cancer survivor, I think. And she was talking about, she's doing that now. Like she put up a whole company that does sound meditation, sound bath, ganyan. And what's this? Uh, all these things, you know, essential oils. She got super into yeah. essential oils. You know, that's something also, you, you know, some people who go through it go that way you know and it was it was amazing also listening to her but what she focused on during the interview was her relationship with her family Shemper with herself as well how it changed her and her relationship with her family and how she wasn't the only one who was going through it it was everybody else who loved her everybody else around her who was going through cancer with her and it kind of really makes you think 
I just want to ask you that, like, how did you feel about, apart from, yes, being sick, feeling all of these physical pains, all of these things, like, I'm parang na-question, syempre yung, like, your mortality, diba? And how did that affect your relationship with yourself? Don't give me the, like, the outside of it, like, your family and friends, like, with yourself. How did that change your relationship with yourself? It was really, you know, it's really hard for me to process that like hmm. and when people just tell me that you're strong and I think about it like I don't think I'm any stronger than anyone else because when you're in it you're just trying to get through like day by day like mm-hmm. there's a lot of time spent by myself just reflecting thinking but actually that never really crossed my mind like we made it a conscious effort me and my husband to not question why this happened and it was just like day by day there were a lot of days when I felt sorry for myself of course like I was like mm-hmm. why is it like this and this is so cheesy I'm very amazed and envious of lyricists because they're able to express what they want and like a lot of people listening are able to feel better or relate to it so a lot of times my emotions came through when I would listen to certain songs. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of songs that I took the meaning of and I just tried to relate it to myself. Like, I don't know if this is known. I was part of this group of athletes and administrators and sports leaders who wrote a book during the pandemic. It's called Winning Still. So oh. each of us wrote a chapter of how we went through the pandemic. And in my chapter, I talked about how I related what happened in the pandemic to me being confined to the walls of my home and the inability to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm helpless. Like that's how I felt helpless. So the biggest thing for me was how can I do something to not feel helpless? So anyway, I mentioned that book because one of my favorite songs during the time when I was getting sick was a song called Glorious by Macklemore. And there's like, something saying like we're gonna be all right and then we'll raise our flag like you know it's something that after the darkness there's always light it's super cheesy but it really like resonated so much with me na parang all these things like the darkness it's preparing you for the daylight to come so mm-hmm. parang it's up to you are you not gonna do anything like the daylight's gonna come but we're planting our flag like we're going to do something that's gonna make a difference like and that was really inspiring to me and I really love I really love amazing lyricists it's my it's my thing I cannot sing I cannot do I cannot play any instrument but I know a lot of lyrics to songs so <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask you to sing the sample but you're like I cannot sing I'm like okay 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 let's not ask you yeah <laughs> I love karaoke with my family only because they will accept my voice for what it is <laughs> <laughs> no, Bella, it is not cheesy at all. Music and, you know, the arts, music specifically, gets people through a lot. I mean, about yeah. when your heart is broken, when you're lonely, when you're happy, you listen to music. Right. And and amazing yeah. lyricists, you know, very thankful for them as well, for getting a lot of us through so many, <laughs> you know, stages and, and seasons of our lives. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, yeah, definitely songs, good songs really get you through that. But I'm sure the experience kind of allowed you to look inward more, you know, because I'm sure you had a lot of time by yourself and, you know, with yourself. And that's not Mm -hmm. something that a lot of people, I guess, can do very well or do very well, especially because outside of it, we're so busy with our lives. We rarely ever really look inward. You know, mm-hmm. and like, kumusta, oh, kumusta ba ako? Diba? Kumusta mm-hmm. na ba ang heart ko? How am I dealing with this? And thank you for sharing with us that songs was, uh, you, the good songs with the good lyrics really got you through that experience. Yeah. You so, know, wait, sorry. I just wanted to add pa, another another one. I really related to, it's Macklemore again. I don't know. Maybe he's a really good lyricist. One more. Yeah. And I think I quoted it also in my book as, that love is just a tool to remind us who we are and that we are not alone when we're walking in the dark. So no. it, until now, like it really helps me. And now, it, I mean, I still need it. I still need the 
help the push to get through yeah. like really difficult times. So I don't know. Parang na feel ko lang yung need na to share that. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Tumagusto ako yun. Anong title ng kanta? It sounds so okay, okay, okay. It sounds so familiar. Like I feel like I like Macklemore too. So and yeah. not just the lyrics, you know, the beat and like. You know, man, because yeah. there are like a lot of sad songs that you like listen to, and you're like, oh. But yeah. you know, Macklemore songs mostly are like, even if he's talking about like sad things, you're just like, yeah, right. I know. I really need things, and I'm the yeah. type of person like when the song is playing, I'll be like, everyone keep quiet. It's my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> Do you sing it? I feel you sing it when you were you're with your family. Um, I mean, it's a rap, so it's kind of like speaking. <laughs> okay, so can you rap it now? You're not the one getting singing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. So uh, getting back to into you know because we're we're here now, and again, thank you for being here and and openly talking about your experience. We're here now, and I'm learning so much from you because we want to inform you know make a lot more women aware and you know essentially eventually give them power you know empower them and how to you know take care of their own health and be aware of their own bodies as well and be aware of the signs and all of these things and as women we go through so much to take care of our reproductive systems and our bodies as well we need to actually go through particular checkups you know to be able to take care of ourselves that way and What is the importance of these regular screenings? I just want to ask you that. Sabi mo kanina, may may mention ka sabi mo TMI. I'm like, no, on this podcast, it's not TMI, girl. <laughs> like, give me as much information as you can. Like, when you were talking about it, I was like, okay, we're talking about discharge. Like, in my head, I'm like, what kind? Like, what made it bad? What made it alarming? You know, how will you know if it's okay already time to, okay, I'm feeling this pain. I'm having this discharge. I have to go get a checkup, like a screening, a pap smear, HPV DNA testing, taking the HPV vaccine specifically for women in their 30s. In my head, I know HPV, is that, that's an STD, right? Like what does it have to do with how, why is it important in avoiding cervical cancer? Yeah, I think when you equate it that way, and actually that was a misdiagnosis. That's what I was told. And I said, oh, there's no way unless you get checked also. Like, <laughs> you get checked also. So which he did, obviously yeah. negative. And then I was like, yeah, yeah you don't, you don't want to know the argument that was caused by that doctor. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I think it's a stigma. And I think it's in most people, it's just dormant in some and it reacts differently to others. Uh, maybe there's a, there's a gene already that's predisposed to get cancer because of my mom and my, her sister also has a different type of cancer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's important to get checked because the earlier it is, the more preventable it is, obviously. So mm-hmm. this discharge, it started as similar to when you're about to get your period, like, you know, mm-hmm. the white, whitish discharge, whatever. So it's something that, okay, maybe it's about to, be my period when it kept going it's like it seemed like a yeast infection Mm-mm. and then it wouldn't stop so i got a checkup and then it started smelling like very very like horrid like i think it would be equated to like burning flesh because the tumor is actually burning your flesh inside right so it's latching on so it's a very it's oh, not wow. even like fishy like spoiled like really very bad So that's when I knew that, you know, there's something uh, really wrong here. And of course, like I remember before when I was a kid that I would see some campaigns about like HPV vaccine and things like that. But then it disappeared. Like there would even be like a billboard. But now it's not like common. Like not everyone knows that you should get the vaccine at a certain time. Mm-mm. And uh, I think we need to do better at raising awareness about doing that prevention. Obviously, sometimes it would be too late because as my doctor said, it would be like eight to 10 years for it to really become a tumor. So if it's already like at that point, you just really need to do the screening to catch it early on, like the pap smear. Like when I talk to my friends or my cousins that are around my age and I say, you have to do the pap smear yearly, you have to like, and I know people who had never gotten a pap smear before and they're already in their early 30s. And oh I said, you just need to get it done. It's nothing to say about, it doesn't say anything about anything. It's just your women's health. Like you need yeah. to know what's going on there. 
So mm-hmm. I became like, you know, really makulit to my my cousin, my friend about it. Like that it's important. And um, the vaccine, I'm actually getting it now. My uncle recommended me to still get it to prevent because you can, it also in men, I think it comes out as genital warts, I believe. Mm. Yeah. So parang to prevent that also. So, yeah. Very important. But wow, you still know some people who are in their 30s who have never gotten a pap smear. I get it though. I mean, I was sexually active in college and I got a best friend in the OB. Because I was like, I had scares. So I was like, yeah. my OB became my best friend. So pap smears were a normal thing for me. And and I guess my friends were also as active as I was. And and yeah, so earlier on, I was told that it's not just that may natanggal yung ah oh, why why are you getting a test like do you feel something? ba laging may ganon eh. and and it's still an uncomfortable thing for for a lot of women to talk about when in fact it's it's a need it's actually a necessity you need you absolutely need to especially when you reach a certain age because there's a lot going on down there not just to ano uh, but to prepare yourself also for childbirth you know if that's something if that's the road you want to go down but. We need to take control of our health and we need to talk about it more openly and we need to talk about it like it's really a necessity because why are we so afraid of it? Like who told us it was a bad thing? Who uh-huh. told it was it was something to be ashamed of if uh-huh. that's what's going to allow you to take control of your health and ha- will allow you to avoid an even bigger problem along the way? But yeah, yeah. so pap smears. So you still like now? How often? How often do you have to take the HPV uh, vaccine? I believe it's three shots that are spread out in three months. So mm-hmm. I only, yeah, my doctor just did it to prevent like getting like the genital warts. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the earlier the better. And I, I, I want to share also because you mentioned like doing it because you want to have kids. So actually, when I was stage one B first they were trying to see how they could save the ovaries because when you do radiation, it hits that entire area. So when I went to like a specialist, she said, no, there's something wrong. I don't think we can save the ovaries. So when I did find out that it was 3B, it had affected my ovary. And so we had to do the radiation that wasn't targeted. So it was my entire abdomen. And so after that, like they were letting me know that I wouldn't be able to bear children anymore. And they actually recommended a psych, a family psychologist. But actually, we were okay with it. My husband was married before and he already has three kids. So parang, that was not an issue. And for me, I deal with kids all the time in what I do. <laughs> so it was acceptable. I just got two dogs. So <laughs> And they're mm-hmm. like my kids. Mm-hmm. Yep, I have a dog who's like my child too. Our child, yeah. mine and my husband's. Yeah. But oh, thank yeah. you for sharing that with us because again that's another topic that's very very sensitive as well even until today like me I'm 35 I'm married two years and I still get questioned like what hello when are you I have it it. okay it's not and it's also not something it's still something that's quite sensitive you know I'm sure for for most people but thank you for sharing that with us oh my gosh you what what dogs do you have I have a Shiba Inu and a mini book. I saw one. Sh- yeah. I saw one go like this while like. <laughs> yeah, that's the Shiba. He's the one who lives inside. And the mini bull is my husband, so he's outside. This is a bit mossy. This one's oh, very is sweet. He like a cat. He's an outside dog. So I go through the glass. He loves it. What is it like to be an inside dog? <laughs> yeah, he loves it. He loves it outside. <laughs> okay. So you won't see him in the camera. Because he's just outside. No, you won't see. Yeah. <laughs> the other one was curious. He was like, "What are you? What's going on here?" I know it's so cute. Then he was trying to get yeah. in the camera. I saw half of his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, going back to you know, Pap smears and HPV vaccines and all of this, getting regular checkups. Not only checked up when you smell something or when you start feeling something like it. When you reach a certain age, you have to really get these checkups regularly so how young should women start becoming aware of and regularly taking control of their cervical health meaning going through regular checkups pap smears and all this well from my understanding i think it's uh when you're sexually active Mm. i think you need to start getting pap smears and checkups but i think yeah when they get to their 30s 
it's really up to you also but i think you know there's certain there's certain things na it's sensitive you don't want to do it if we always usually because we we like putting off going to the doctor like when there's a small thing we tend to brush it off so for me like there's no thing that's too small <laughs> because the worse it gets don't be ashamed because you're gonna get to the point also where it's already something that's hard to manage to treat so i think the earlier the better yeah there when you start getting sexually active and then when you reach your your 30s like you know there's going to be a lot of changes in your body i'm menopausal or postmenopausal whatever it is i went through the whole ordeal already and if looking back if i did if i did get checked earlier maybe i wouldn't be in the situation but i don't want to dwell i don't like to dwell in the what if so mm-hmm. it's just a way for me to share my story and to be honest i've always been open about sharing my story because my thing was if i'm able to help even just one person that's okay that's already worth what i went through and true enough like i get so many messages now of asking about treatments and doctors and everything for a family member or for themselves and then what happened was from not knowing anyone who went through cervical cancer now i know mm. people who are you know close to my family or to my friends who reached out and now we're really good friends because we talk about you know what to expect and then mm-hmm. when they get anxious you know we have something called scanxiety when you're about to do your pet scan like when they get anxious you know we kind of virtually hold each other's hands to get us through it and say that it's going to be okay if it's not a positive result for you if it's not the result you want the thing that you have to think about is that you know it you can control it and you can do something about it that's the only mm-hmm. thing like rather than have something inside of you that you're not aware of till later on and it's too late and I actually joined a facebook group of like their international patients so it's a cervical cancer group it's not just survivors it's patients and anyone can just ask something out there and a few filipinos have found me there from abroad and we just you know they ask questions is it better to get treated in the philippines what are the pros and cons i said we just asked each other all these questions and i was able to find a doctor in the us also who was able to guide me to the my second phase of treatment which like i'm so lucky and grateful that my parents gave me the resources to be able to do that so i know that it's not the case for everyone so i want to try to be there for whoever needs Oh, like in going through that process. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I want to repeat this again, very, very powerful what it is that you do now, Belay, you know, being able to take control of it that way and also to give back. I heard this line once from a really good host. I forget who, I'm so sorry. But she said, your mess is your message. You know, your mess will eventually turn into your message. Something that you went through is now something that you're allowing yourself to be a tool for inspiration, not just for inspiration, but also to help out people who are going through the same thing. You know, we as humans, kailangan we need a support system. We need to be able to hold each other's hands, especially women. You know, we need to be there for each other this way. And it's powerful what you are doing and being able to do this, you know, for all the women out there, not just here in the Philippines, but also internationally, everybody who's going through this. And whenever we talk about cancer in women, we often hear breast cancer, right? Breast cancer awareness, breast cancer awareness, that. But cervical cancer is not as widely talked about. Why do you think that is? And and do you think cervical cancer should be a national health priority? Yeah, so it's not exactly my story to share, but it it happens to a lot of women, and especially in the U.S. Uh, The stories that I read there, the posts, are 
usually like it's a stigma like they equate it to be an std and like they are not being afforded the same like treatment and care like in their by their co-workers by their by their family like after hearing they have cervical cancer so it's really disheartening to me because it is a cancer and a lot of people have hpv it just doesn't become a cancer and they need the same care the same help the same support as any cancer patient as anyone going through a hard time so that for me is so disheartening it is mm-hmm. it should be a priority because as the World Health Organization says, it's the number one cancer that could possibly be eradicated by prevention, screening, and proper treatment. So if the government can prevent the what, like the around 11 deaths a day from cervical cancer, then we should prioritize it because it is not only something that is widely spread and preventable, it is also an expensive treatment. So not everyone can afford it. Uh, like mm-hmm. I had this one story where like uh, I was go- undergoing radiation and I had burns in my inner groin and my back. But the part that hurt the most was my groin because it opened up. So the it was open wounds. So uh-huh. it was hard also to walk and get around. But my radio oncologist gave me a steroid cream and it's pretty pricey for a little tube. And then you put it on there. It relieves it a little bit. It's not as painful. It doesn't totally make it go away. Then I asked her one time and I said, so doc, how about your patients in PGH? Like, how do they deal with this pain? These kinds of things. Like, because it's so expensive. And she'll just say, wala, bayabas leaves. Like, but you boil the bayabas leaves and then you put it there, which I do. I would do it also to wash. Like, but it doesn't relieve you that much of the pain. So, Mm. that's really the time when I was understanding that this is an expensive answer to treat and we need to try to assist more. We need to find a way to really to get the government or the private institutions to really assist them more because it doesn't get the same audience, the same attention, information, the same yeah, attention mm-hmm. yeah, as breast cancer and I'm not saying anything against breast cancer yeah yeah it's just that it doesn't get the same attention you're right but yeah so it does deserve to get the attention from the government I completely agree and I love how you put it that way because is it by the most treatable cancer now did you say it was the top parang preventable pala no it's the one that can be eradicated because you you have prevention you can have prevention. Yeah. Yeah. And even just knowing that, diba? I mean, if more people, if more women knew about that, then more women would take control of their own health, right? If kaya eh. And, you know, not a lot of people know about it. And it's also because nga, not, a lot of, not a lot of people talk about it. And I think it's also because of, you said nga, it's, it's attached to HPV and a lot of people feel shame. There's a lot of shame, you know, around cervical cancer. So it's not as widely talked about, but it's very, very important because when you know you can help, especially now I asked you about, should you think it should be a national priority? And it's very, very expensive, you just said. And kung marami naman tayong matutulungan, if just, you know, putting out the information out there, then why not do it? Yeah. Okay, so before we close this, I have a couple more questions for you, Belay, for the women who are listening right now and, and for the men as well, but for everybody listening right now, like, what were the habits, new habits that you formed since since having the cancer and that you can share with women specifically in their 30s so that, you know, they may also take control of their own health and their overall well-being? Apart from sleeping now more. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the number one, actually. That's the number one, okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to continue, like, your, like, the supplements that you take, like, whatever whatever vitamins and supplements you feel you need, like getting checked regularly. Like I have never in my life paid this much attention to my my blood test, my creatinine, my kidney function. Like it's all important because they're all related. All your organs were affected, right? So you have to do your best. But in terms of like uh, the, the lifestyle, I think really the, the factor stress, like you can't help it like nowadays. Everything moves so fast. 
there's no, like, you know, I'm in the line of work where you can be contacted anytime. I'm working in different time zones, weekends, or holidays. So I have to do a conscious, I'm, and I'm talking to myself right now, I have to do a more conscious effort of like cutting off, like having boundaries, having also time for myself to re-energize myself so that I can be there for other people. And for me, one thing, like a habit is really trying to, because I have limited time. I'm usually traveling. So that limited time, think about what your priorities are. So priority one, like to be able to spend as much time with the people who matter to you, your family, your friends, like select it because we don't have all the time in the world. And then you add on the traffic. So it takes longer to get to see people. <laughs> Another, yeah. Another one is don't eat too like junky, whatever it is. But for me, it's like don't deprive yourself. Just try to manage. I try to manage what I eat. Like not really like follow any type of diet. I just mm-hmm. try to eat what makes me happy. Like and it doesn't have to be junky all the time. It doesn't have to be healthy all the time, but just to balance it. To, to find a little bit of time, like although my feet don't function the same way, to find a little time because cardio is part of it. So to work out and go back with my friends. So I also release the tension like by putting the punch in my and, and And as much as possible when I do that, I like to do it with my friends so that, you know, you hit two birds with one stone. Like spend time with people you care about and then work out a little bit. But yeah, I think in terms of habits the number one thing that i change is making sure that i sleep well i rest well um i have time to recover and manage my priorities who are the people important to me and what are the things that are important to me and yeah that's it thank you for sharing that with us i would think going through that note must na Ano ba, na zoom in, na zero in your priorities small. All the more you realized about what who the more important people were in your lives and what to prioritize in your, you know, your day-to-day life. And sleep, very, very important, you guys. In your 30s, can I just say, apart from naturally, sleep is something that we cannot deprive ourselves of. Because it's the time that our body recuperates, the It's the only time ever that your body can really heal itself naturally on its own. And if you yeah. don't do that, wala, di ba? Hindi ka matutulog kasi katrabaho ka kasi nag-aaral ka, but then you can't even function properly because you didn't get to sleep and you didn't get to yeah. rest. So yeah, Belay, thank you for sharing your journey with us, your experience with us, your favorite songs with us, which I will still make you rap, <laughs> maybe <laughs> off the air. And also thank you for what it is that you do. Thank you for coming to this. You know, like you said, also like uh, in that interview, you're grateful for everything that's happened to you. You're grateful even for the cancer because you realize the important things in your life and you realize, you know, the important people in your life and your s- strongest support system. And that's where you are right now. You are yourself a support system for the women who are going through this as well and for other women in their 30s who need to be empowered and who need to be informed so how can women make a difference like what campaigns organizations movements can they join so that they may also actively start making a change in empowering women's health against cervical cancer so I am honored to be part of a movement called or in a campaign called Solidarity and they're actually pushing for an 11K loud petition, to petition the government institutions to really move forward and push for a campaign to fight, not only to prevent, to help manage, but really to try to eradicate cervical cancer. And it's all sectors like of the, the country. Like it's not just going to be relying on the government, schools, families, institutions, private companies. Like it's a, complete effort to really try to make this happen so that's one of the ways and to really just if you need to be informed there's like a lot of information out there there's groups if you need support for someone in your family or you yourself like you can seek support on um facebook groups if you wanted to be in person yeah i'm here i'll have coffee with you (laughs) it seems daunting at first but if you have the right information and you have someone guiding you and someone that you know that went through it or you want to do this because someone in your family went through it, 
I really hope that everyone can support this because it may not affect you now and hopefully it never does but it's affecting someone that you may know now or later on like so please I hope that everyone not just women can support this petition thank you very much for sharing that with us that's again the 11k loud petition no, it's a community uh, that they can sign. They can sign and join. So the link, I'm going to post the link in the description box here on the podcast as well so that you can, it, it'll be easier for you to, to sign this and to join this. Thank you for sharing that with us, Bella. I have one last question for you, something that I ask all the guests on the show. And I also love, that's why I opened with it. I love that you mentioned it in that interview that you were grateful for you know all the things that's happened to you and that's how I, I like ending the show is I ask my guests to share what they're grateful about to kind of ground ourselves and remind us that life is amazing we're very grateful and lucky to be alive and 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 we just want to share that energy with our listeners as well so please share with us what you are grateful for right now in this moment it can be one thing 10 20 things completely up to you I'm definitely grateful because I'm always looking for a purpose. Like it gets me up in the morning, like a reason to be here. So right now I'm really grateful to be here on your show to talk about something that's personal, but also not personal because there's so many people who are going through this and need to hear about this so that they know how to support it. I'm grateful for that opportunity to raise awareness on this, to be given a platform to do this. And on another part, I'm grateful that despite not playing, being able to play competitive sports anymore, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to rep, be part of the team representing our country in the first Women's World Cup happening in um, New Zealand this July. So also support that, please. Please support the Filipinas as they compete in the first ever World Cup that the Philippines has participated on. So... I mean, these things give me purpose because it's more, it's beyond me. It's beyond um, me thing. it's not, my name won't be out there. The name of the Philippines and the name of cervical cancer, patients, survivors, family members, that's what's going to be put out there. And it's not, it's more than just myself. And that's um, what really, really motivates me every, every day. So yes, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bella. I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your energy. And thank you again for this amazing, amazing thing that you do for sharing awareness, sharing your journey, and still being able to do that and represent the country as well. Thank you. You're an amazing human being, a beautiful, amazing human being. Thank you for being here on the show. And I look forward to having another conversation with you again. I will take you up on that coffee. <laughs> yes. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Bella Fernando, everybody. Thank you so much. to see you guys again next time. Bye. Thank you so, so much for your time and energy. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Now, this is the part where you share the things, people, moments, whatever it is that you're grateful for today. I would love to hear from you. So please do get in touch with me on Instagram and Facebook at After 30 with Cara Erigel. I would love to see you tag me in your stories if you do post this. And please follow me on Spotify if you haven't yet. And also leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would really, really help the podcast. And of course, me a lot. And I truly, truly appreciate you. I am so grateful for you. Don't forget, be grateful. Oh, 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 oh,